there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. After an intense last hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show, yeah, I could always hope that Dr. Rashid Bittar will calm me down, but we usually end up ramping each other up when we talk about stuff, so who knows where it goes. Be prepared. Seatbelts on, everybody. Advanced Medicine Monday continues here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Welcome back, Dr. Rashid Bittar. Hey, Robert. Great to be back. Good to be back with you. And, of course, uh, we were talking a little bit off the air about all the crazy goings on around the world that we're covering here on the show. You know, seemingly every day something more is bigger is breaking. But there's some really interesting positive news you, you made me aware of as well about immune system discoveries. Not that we're big fans of the Nobel Prize, but it is interesting to acknowledge that the things you've been doing, your mentor and others have been doing for years are now finally years later going, oh, yeah, the immune system. I remember that. Robert, it's actually seems to be pathognomonic with the medical system. I remember about uh, 10, maybe 15 years ago, hearing about this new breakthrough in research at Stanford University regarding how cancer feeds on sugar. And I know that there were doctors that I have learned from within like four or five years prior to that that had been doing this as far as understanding that cancer was an obligate glucose metabolizer, meaning that it is obligated to feed on sugar. They were acknowledging this theory 20, 30 Mm -hmm. years before I was even born, and many of them had already been utilizing that concept in treating cancer. For instance, insulin-potentiated therapy, which has been used for, you know, quite some time, where you essentially give a person insulin to drop down their sugar. It's essentially like a starvation of the cancer type technique. Right. Um, I use it in a different method, but my point is that they just discovered that like in the last 10, 12 years ago at Stanford. And this is one of those type of uh, same scenarios, the story that I sent you about the immune system. Yeah, and I have it linked up at the blog for those that want to read it. It's pretty intense at robertscottbell.com. Uh, and Dr. Pitar, you know, I, my mentor had said that, you know, if you follow uh, what's done in the quote-unquote official medical sciences that they are typically 20, 30, sometimes 40 years behind. Here's a classic example. You're confirming that. It's not just made up. Oh, absolutely. In fact, there's some things that we've done that in our clinic, in our own clinic, that have been by the words of other doctors, not only in our own country but in other countries, that have said that we're 50 years ahead in the in this time schedule of medical understanding and evolution this is just another one of those examples. And th- this story itself is actually, I-, I don't let most things frustrate me. It's a little <laughs> frustrating to me because this is the entire basis of this Nobel Peace Prize that was shared by a French a researcher and a U.S. and a Canadian uh, for the work in the immune system is exactly hmm. what the medical board was trying to come after me for. Exactly. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? I mean, the thing is, if you want good treatment, you either got to get into a time machine, go 50 years in the future, or come to see you. <laughs> well, you know, the, th- the funny thing is that in another 20, 30 years, what they just have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize for mm-hmm. will then evolve into the application of that knowledge into utilizing it on a clinical basis, and then everybody will be using it in the next 20 years. We're already doing that, using that information 
without their discovery of it, because it was discovered years ago. I mean, here's, here's the bottom line. When you talk about the immune system, and we'll just discuss this real quick. This entire article – actually, do you want to first discuss the article? Yeah, sure, a little bit. I, it, it's referencing American uh, Bruce Boitler and French biologist Jules Hoffman, and they're talking about studying the first stages of immune responses to attack, and they share a $1.5 million award with Canadian board Ralph Steinman working in the U.S. who discovered – of uh, dendritic cells key to understanding the later stages. Again, you're going to have to make it into plain English for the majority of the audience. So uh, it's important to understand what is it that they discovered. I mean, obviously, we know the things that you're doing based on some of this work, but 20, 30 years in the future already. Well, the, the essential summary of this study is, and I didn't, I have not read the study. I'm just going by what they talked about in this news release. Yeah, essentially, is that. They are various stages of the immune system. One of the specific components of the immune system is called the dendritic cells. And there have been some vaccines that have been developed on, based on the dendritic cells by some of my counterparts, which haven't actually worked like our, our soda does. So in actuality, what they're talking about, the stages that they're talking about in the immune system, they're, they're accurate and they're correct that the dendritic cells play a very vital role in the uh, later stages of the immune response. However, to go down the road for dendritic cell therapy, uh, in my opinion, it's already the wrong direction because there have already been some people that have created those dendritic cell vaccines and uh, for cancer and have only worked to a certain level. Our work is with ARSODA, uh, what I coined ARSODA, the autogenous antigen receptor-specific oncogenic target acquisition. Uh, it's a mouthful, but essentially <laughs> what it is is we're looking at very similar to what Brzezinski was doing, he discovered these neo anti-neoplastins that were certain substances that were lacking in, um, in, in cancer patients that normal people had. Well, the Arsoda is essentially looking not at that component, but it's looking at the immune response and looking at the, looking at the immune response where we are looking at things instead of dendritic cells, we're looking at uh, protein cancer proteins or proteins that are specific to cancer and using them to stimulate the body's own immune response. And it, the dendritic cell aspect and what we're doing are very similar, and we've actually crossed the two and we have gotten far greater response than just the dendritic cell aspect itself. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because they've just now said that dendritic cells have a role in it, so they're even <laughs> way behind. <laughs> they're just so, acknowledging, oh, dendritic, yeah, they could have something to do with this. I mean, yeah. a little late to the party, and then they get the Nobel for it. That's, again, reference points on how far behind the, how would you say, the mainstream, the accepted consensus areas of medicine are. That's absolutely right. And, you know, what's really interesting to note is that my mentor, Dr. William Hitt, who um, left this realm uh, about a year ago, last he, he died last winter uh, at the age of, I believe it was 89, and uh, he was a great man. He essentially, for his work in the immune system, was run out of the state of Texas. After Time magazine covered him, he, he was actually a practicing physician. He had a PhD in immunology. Essentially, the long and the short of it is that he was getting rid of allergies uh, of literally thousands of patients a week. In fact, he had multiple clinics in Houston and in Dallas and flew back and forth, had a number of doctors that were working for him. But the allergists in Texas got very upset because he was essentially running them out of business. Hmm. So there was a complaint filed against him at the, North, at the uh, Texas Medical Board. Long and the short is that 
he was just a gentleman, decided that he wasn't going to fight and just left the country. He left, he left Texas. And some people say, well, you know, if he was innocent, why didn't he stay and fight? Well, the vast majority of people are not idiots like myself and will stay and fight. Most <laughs> yeah. of them are, you know, highly more, more evolved and they right. will, you know, move on to pastors that are more conducive to their life mission. And that's exactly what Dr. Hitt did. He went on to Mexico and ended up being part of a team that won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in immunology. Yeah, imagine that. He even got acknowledged for it, yet they're still just figuring this stuff out that we're referencing today. Exactly. And I took his work that he used in allergy about four or five years after I'd I'd gotten to meet with him and spend some time with him. I proposed a theory to him, and he looked at me with a big smile on his face. We were sitting in uh, in his living room in Rosarito, Mexico. He looked at me and smiled. He goes, that sounds like a fantastic idea, Rasha. Try it and let me know. I was thinking that maybe he he would tell me, uh, yeah, let's work on this. But he just kind of like, you know, patted me on the shoulder and said, Carry on, you know, so. on to your work. And yeah. uh, a couple of years later was the first time we did the Arsoda in early 2000s, in, in, just after the turn of the century. And never looked back. It's been working phenomenally. So if we talk about the immune system, of course, we know it's a very complex uh, uh, group of many things, including the microbial flora. But, of course, we know there are things to upregulate. They say things to downregulate. It can be, you know, overwhelming and daunting. Yet these, you know, so-called eggheads are still scratching around in the dirt like chickens years ago compared to where you are, where Nick Gonzalez is, Brzezinski, and all of these things. So we know there are ways to address this. In your particular thing that you developed, this so-called soda, we obviously in most cases of cancer. The R-soda. R-soda, thank you. In most cases, what we're talking about with cancer, not necessarily the autoimmune diseases, that's a whole separate realm. But specifically with cancer, we're talking about having to upregulate the immune system that may be dysfunctional due to a number of reasons. We talked deficiencies in exhaustion, perhaps, as a simple way of describing some of this. Well, actually, it's it's a very it, it may be simple, but it's very accurate. You know, you said uh, deficiencies, exhaustion, stress. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many reasons for the immune system to be damaged, but here's where the simplicity of it this is: you cannot, by definition, have cancer unless you have a damaged immune system. If your immune system is not damaged, you can't get cancer. Mm-hmm. If you get cancer, you have a damaged immune system. There's no possibilities this that the other it's it's a hard and fact rule you know Mm -hmm. when it's night it's black when (laughs) it's light you know it's day it's one of those that has that level of clarity exactly exactly so when a person comes to me and i'm treating them because they have cancer i am focusing on those the five steps that we focus on the first one is optimization second one is detoxification and actually it's the other way around i i it's really detox first and then optimize, but sometimes yes. you have to do them synonymously. Mm-hmm. The third one is the immune modulation, which is to help the immune system wake up. And then fourth one, or, or repair it. And fourth one is the target acquisition, which is where our soda comes in, which is where their work with the dendritic cells and the immune system, because it's not just important to help the body immune system to start to fight it's also important to boost the immune system because sometimes if you stimulate the body's immune system start fighting but the immune system is so weakened it's not going to do anything it's like having somebody that with both broken legs and trying to stimulate them to try to run a race right they're not going to get very far so you have to boost the immune system which is the third step immune modulation which as you remember in the book yes it's, it's the second foundation of health of the three foundations um and then the in fact if you look at if you look at the three foundations of health robert i just 
I mean, didn't plan this out, but yep. the first foundation is detoxification. Second foundation is physiologic, uh, is immune modulation. Third foundation is um, physiological optimization. Those are the three foundations of health. And you notice that it's a little bit different order in cancer, but it's the same first three. Yes. So you've got the detoxification, optimization, immune modulation. Then the fourth one is stimulating the immune system that you've just helped to boost up in step three. So fourth step is to now uh, stimulate the body's, uh, stimulate the immune system or stimulate the body's awareness that there's something foreign in there so that the immune system that you just boosted in step three can now end up doing its job. And then, of course, the fifth step is, is maintenance. Yeah, and these are, as you said, very clear, distinct. They're not muddy or gray and like we're checking it out in 50 years. We're going to get back to you and see if this works like your mentor, Dr. Hitt, had acknowledged and recognized and put into play. And I find it fascinating, as I said, uh, the attacks on someone like Dr. Hitt or any of those that we know, Brzezinski and others who have, have survived these things, simply wanting to help. Now we have things that the government is doing to attack those that are simply moving the science forward because it threatens consensus. It threatens the mass majority or mediocrity or less than mediocrity within the medical profession. When we come back from this break, we're going to go further with that, talk about these things, see how we can uh, transform the terrain for healing wherever you are on planet Earth right here on the Robert Scad Bell Show as we do every week with Dr. Rasha Bittar. We call this Advanced Medicine Monday, the Medical Rewind. I've got all the links, including to Dr. Bittar's great book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. We're coming right back after this. Scott Bell Show. Cranking it up with Dr. Bittar here on Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Talking cancer, the simplicity with which we can address these things. Uh, you know, spurred a little bit by this article I have linked up at the blog at robertscottbell.com on a Nobel Prize to thought forms that are so far behind the times that if we were waiting around, there are a lot of people who would die needlessly. And if you, you know, are interested, I'll have links up for those of you who'd like to learn more about Dr. Batar and his clinic as well in North Carolina. I mean, there's a, I'm sure there's a waiting list, Dr. Batar, but st- people still see you. you're still in practice. It's not like we're doing this on theory. Yeah. This is our practice has, you know, been around since 1996. So we're in our, what, 15th year. Mm-hmm. Well, having that kind of level of, of functionality and doing it as opposed to just having book knowledge, even, you know, you could have taken, what your mentor, Dr. Hitt, said and just say, oh, that sounds really good and write about it. But you put it into play, proved it in practice, and now have you know so many people coming to you from all over the world that are actually recovering. And, I, you know, I remember growing up thinking because, you know, just a standard American thought form and, and programming that, well, there's no cure for cancer. If there were, of course, everybody would know about it. You know, that's the kind of thing people say with, when you say, well, yeah, there are natural ways we can go by detoxification. Oh, yeah, sure. If that were the case, then everybody would know about it. You know what's funny, though, Robert? There are far and fewer people now that say stuff like that. True. You used to hear a lot more mm-hmm. cynics, but I think that the system itself has proven itself so incompetent that even the biggest cynics – are not as cynical anymore. <laughs> yeah, I you you said that very well. I I found that to be true too. I just remember all of the opposition you would have just to saying, "Yeah, we we can reverse cancer." And there was just great degrees of skepticism and cynicism. Almost it's programmed deep in the DNA because it would be a visceral response. How dare you say that right. there's a way to do this? And now, of course, 
people are looking, uh, the officials are acknowledging. I mean, there's so much that is happening on the planet. Yet at the same time, we have the, you know these abs- absurdist notions that we can you know uh, drone bomb people who disagree with us, so we can keep their information away from the rest of the world. This this was amazing when you told me this story that you know you covered in the last hour because I've never I've never even heard of something like this. But it's interesting that it's getting rid of the entire due process aspect because if mm-hmm. somebody that is an American that has firsthand knowledge of something wrong that our government's done and they choose not to live here anymore, um, we would just take them out as an enemy of the state as opposed to having some type of a due process for, you know, that's just, it's just un- unbelievable, which means that basically you or I are next on the list. Well, yeah, that was my point too last hour. I know you'd, I knew you'd pick up on that is that, yeah, we might, we could might agree on some of these so-called bad guys around the world and say, Hey, we wouldn't want to have lunch with them. You know, that they're into violence and other things that we don't condone. But at the same time, it's not a big stretch when we see the targeting of others that are, that become enemies of the state. Now, when a president can order the assassination, even if they don't call it that, of, of people that they declare to be some status that doesn't afford them protections under the Constitution, then we no longer have a president. We no longer have a nation of laws. We now have a king. And that's what the kings have done of old, though, that you exist on the whim of the king. They could say, off with your head. You've got no trial by jury. And this is indeed what's happening. And the argument isn't, well, was al-Awaki a good guy or a bad guy? That isn't even the argument. The argument is if a president can just say, off with your head, the the country is done. Mm. It's very true. I mean, that's the whole reason for having the laws. That's the reason for having the entire system that our condition was based on, that our forefathers created, and uh, yes. it's all being violated. And once you violate it on one basis, you violate it for all basis, in all basis. Yeah, and the, and some people will argue, oh, there's no such thing as a slippery slope. But come on, look at all the ways that the federal government over the 20th century into the 21st here has become an enemy of the people by attacking them either directly or indirectly. And I brought this up last hour, and it's shocking to consider. The FDA, if I use the term assassination maybe a little loosely, Maybe responsible for 106,000 to 784,000 deaths every year due to what they approve and people assume, well, they've approved it, it must be safe, even though we know the stats, the drug stats, the, the peer-reviewed medical journal all acknowledge as many books have been written on it, even what you've written on it, the danger of FDA-approved medicine. And it's taking Americans out of the life chain all the time. Robert, if you just look at the television advertisements, where pretty much every single day you will see two to three different law firms advertising. If you have taken X, Y, and Z drug, you may be uh, due for damages. And, you know, the studies have shown blah, blah, blah. You know, contact uh, such and such law mm-hmm. firm in order to find out if you are eligible because they're conducting a class action lawsuit against these pharmaceutical companies. I mean, just look at uh, Vioxx, which is one of the examples that I used with 2020. Right. They had over... Uh, 55,000 deaths from this FDA-approved drug before they took it off the market and the internal dialogue that was conducted regarding the safety of this medication and how it was uh, subverted and, and hidden when it should have been made public knowledge right away. I mean, 55,000 deaths before they had to take off the drug off the market? For God's sake. And that's more than 
Well, how many people died in uh, 9-11? 5,000? That's 11,000 3, 3, Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, exactly. But nobody talks about that. There's no memorial service going up for them. Mm-hmm. There's no memorial uh, buildings that are being put up or uh, every year, you know, the, 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 the remember, remember the Remembrance the Day, yeah. None of that. Yeah, well, that's where, you know, some people have set up an FDA Holocaust Museum. Because, indeed, our federal government, the so-called regulators, as Jonathan Emord calls them, the bureaucratic oligarchy, are responsible for hundreds of thousands. You know, the last 10 years, I just had John Rappaport on on my Sunday show, and we talked about this yesterday. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, over in 10 years, it's over a million Americans dead. A million. Now, imagine if we were to point to a country or uh, uh, an operation on the planet that was not even a governmental that was responsible for a million U.S. deaths. Look what we did for 3,000. And not to diminish anybody's death. We believe in a culture of life legitimately. But the perspective is off when we can disconnect and say, well, if it's approved by the government, and that's why this death is so disconcerting, is that many Americans still with the the emotional fervor of 9-11 in their veins say, well, go Obama. And this is from the left and the right supporting him going, yeah, he, he took him out. This is great news. He's dead. And I don't know. The guy could have been an evil guy. That's not the point. The point is. Is there a rule of law? Are there constitutional limitations to government? Or now is our government and the people of the U.S. endorsing a kingdom? Yeah. It's very, very disturbing that the public hasn't seen it. And, and you know what? I think the public probably has seen it. I think this is just a political bandwagon everybody's jumping on, except for, of course, Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's interesting to, how it's uh, when somebody's down on the ground and getting beaten up, everybody else jumps in on the bandwagon. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the consensus of, of, of the way things are, I think this is another interesting learning opportunity because some people are looking at this and Ron Paul are going, oh, no, now he's 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 stepped in it. There's no way they're going to support him now because he's called it an assassination. Yet at the same time, it's causing an elevation of consciousness, a, an uncomfortable self-reflection. I realize a lot of this, what Ron Paul does, causes us to look at ourselves and go, oh, dude, we really screwed up. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, when we're adult enough to, to do that, we now step into a new realm or new state of consciousness. And I think that this is another rapid opportunity of a learning curve for the American people. I think this is, I think this is no different than, you know, playing a favoritism, like for a parent to beat one child and not, uh, you know, and, and reward another child for the same action. Mm. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, you know, we come back to the idea that, the cancer therapies that you have done, that Brzezinski, that, you know, so many we've talked about over the years here are the great danger and they must be suppressed at all costs. Here we go driving doctors out of the country, uh, MDs, NDs, DOs, whoever wants to really do good work in, in bringing healing without intoxicating and drugging them via official methodologies approved by the government in, in the guise of the FDA. And yet you stood your ground here in America and did what you called. I'm the only idiot that stood around. And, and, you know, because of that, you, you know, you transferred a lot of money that had come in in support of your efforts. And you had to literally put it in the legal defense fund and put a lot of your life on hold to defend yourself. Thankfully, you were successful. And now people are acknowledging it more and more. But at the same time, it would have been just fine. Nobody could, you know, say, hey, well, Ritar, he ran away to another country. I mean, most people would. Well, you know, it's it's again that that last sentiment that I just expressed. Um, I kind of look at it. This is one reason I said that most things don't frustrate me, but this was a little frustrating because right. doing the same work 
these people did and that we're doing, except we're doing it further ahead and clinically applying it and seeing the success. And we got spanked, <laughs> uh, yet they got rewarded with money. So it's, I think it really comes down to how did you play the game? In other words, did you play the game through their rules or did you just do it outside? Because, you know, this therapy that we're talking about, the cost of it, in fact, if you just look at our cost for treating cancer, it's about one, between one-tenth and one-eleventh the cost of conventional medical care. The only reason I know this is because one of my attorneys who was uh, on my team when we went against the medical board, uh, the one thing that the medical board had accused me of is to of unethical treatment of cancer patients, and part of that unethical definition was the cost of treatment. And so she had actually, this attorney had actually gone through and looked at what some of these patients had paid prior to coming and what the conventional cost was, and we determined that we were between one-tenth and one-eleventh the cost of conventional cancer therapy. So really, the thing is that if this immune modulation therapy, if this uh, stimulation of the immune system had been done through the conventional methodology, through the FDA, the cost could be a thousand to eleven hundred percent difference yes. based upon just overall. And I, I'm sure it would be even more than that. I mean, you know what the chemotherapeutic drug costs? Sure. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so I think that's the difference. If you go through the system and you allow them to add their thousand percent tax on, yeah, exactly, or profit margin or whatever you want to call it, then it's okay. That is stunning. They are not only bad at understanding uh, how the immune system works or they're 50 years behind, but they can't even do math, which I think goes back thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, oh, it's only a thousand percent. It's one tenth the cost. Well, that must mean it's outrageously more expensive. Therefore, that's why it's unethical. And of yeah. course, we know that uh, the ability to afford uh, now we call traditional onco oncological treatments are such that they're bankrupting families. They're literally going into the estates of families after the patients have long died from the treatment and robbing them of any ability to pass anything on to their kids or grandkids. And they're calling your treatment unethical because it's too expensive, yet a tenth or eleventh of the cost. This is the kind of insanity that we're dealing with here. And we're going to bring some more sanity to the discussion here of cancer and other things with Dr. Rashid Batar, my good friend. And we enjoy our time together every week here on the Events Medicine Monday. There's also a website, medicalrewind.com. Lots of free videos to download and watch if you're new to the show. Man, oh, man, you've got some catching up to do. Lots of great things there as well. I've got all the links up at robertscatbell.com. Remember, 866-939-BELL is the number to call with messages or comments, anything you want, 866-939-2355. And we come back, we're going to take this um, discussion and elevate it into places you're not used to going in talk radio, but we go there every week. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. If you think modern medicine is behind the times, as we've discussed with Dr. Batar so far in the realm of cancer, how about something like miscarriages during pregnancy? Stunning, stunning information just came out the other day, and I've got it linked up at the blog at robertscatbell.com. They say miscarriages due to low zinc and copper levels, and they're shocked, shocked, I tell you, that nutrition has anything to do with pregnancy and or miscarriages, Dr. Batar. You know, it's so absurd that the simple concept that a mother is diverting all of her nutritional supply to the fetus can be so earth-shattering and so 
against what people would even imagine. But if you think about it, the mother, this is where the toxicity comes into play too, which is by the Centers for Disease Control, the studies that showed that one out of six women of childbearing age in the United States are mercury toxic and one out of six children being born, according to the American Pediatric Association, has some type of neurological deficit. It's showing the same thing, that the mother is shunning not just on her nutrient supply, but all her toxicities within her system right. to the baby. Everything from the mother gets essentially leached out. Think of, You can think of the baby, the, 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 the embryo, that then forms into this small little being that's being formed inside the mother, the baby essentially can be thought of as a parasite. Now, you know, don't, don't misunderstand what my meaning is here. I'm just saying that if you understand how the per process of birth occurs, the mother's body becomes a source of nutrition, but anything that the mother has in her, if it's toxicity, will also become a source of toxicity to the child. That's one reason it's so important for the child, uh, for the mother to be cleaned up before, right. before childbirth or before having a child. But essentially, think of the baby as a parasite. It's sucking everything out of the mother, good and bad. So if the mother is devoid of nutritional basis, mm-hmm. if the mother doesn't have enough zinc, doesn't have enough copper, doesn't have many of these essential minerals that act as cofactors in the enzymatic cascade and the metabolic functioning of the body, right. if the mother doesn't have it, then the baby's not going to have it. Well, exactly. And this is, you know, what's stunning about this, and it's, you know, it's not stunning to us because we've been following this for so many years, but they're saying the hypothesis had never been proven before. So, I mean, it's like it's not real until we publish it, right? That supplements or that uh, nutrition matters in regards to these things. I mean, that that's an amazing thing to me, although, again, that's the way they, they play the game over there. But simply to acknowledge that, you know, trace elements like copper and zinc, if you will, and zinc is more of a macro element, but certainly has an impact. And if it's not there, they're shocked that it ended up in early termination of pregnancy. The absurdity of it just transcends common sense. Hmm. I mean, if you think about this, it's like saying, well, because we haven't observed a shark eating a person, we, we, you know, it's theoretically possible. <laughs> it's never happened. We, but it's, it's not never been happened published, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, it's just how many shark, how many people have been eaten by sharks or bitten by sharks that have never been captured on video mm-hmm. or prior to the video, you know? I mean, just because a person's got a bite in their well, it could have been a squid. It could have been, <laughs> yes. it's just absurd. I mean, you know, it, it's not rocket science when you start looking at this from a very basic, fundamental, mechanical perspective. Mm -hmm. If you have a car and you put water in the gas tank, it's not going to run. If you put sugar in the water, uh, sugar in the gas tank, it's not going to run. It only runs on gasoline. We don't talk about the theoretical basis of, you know, theoretically, if you put something else in there, it's not going to work. Why is it so hard to believe that the human body is the, or not just the human body, the biological system, I should say, is the ultimate piece of machinery. And if you put in things that aren't good, We've talked about this numerous times, ad nauseum. It's not going to work. And if you don't have the essential things in there, it's just as bad. Yeah. A great example of the deficiency in pregnancy, because you mentioned it so well. You know, my, my wife and I had worked on our own bodies for many years before we had children, including m- removing the mercury amalgams, right? The so-called silver fillings that are very little silver and a lot of mercury. And we detoxed our system so that we would be healthy enough to have healthy children. And it's still, you know, a chore because we're of the generation that grew up, you know, vaccinated, uh, refined processed foods, all of the things that, that had occurred. So we worked a lot together. But one of the things I've observed a lot over the years is 
the issue of gestational diabetes and how you said it, the, the little baby developing is pulling everything away from the mother that it can for its survival, for its, you know, to be able to be viable, healthy and everything. And one of the things it robs from the mom is chromium. And without that chromium, now you have no ability to trans- transfer, you know, the sugars in and out of the cells. So end up with this so-called gestational diabetes. It's not just some magical, bizarre, wow, how did that happen? Well, no, the kid took all your chromium. Mom, take some. Exactly. And this is one of the things that it's not a good thing or a bad thing. I don't want people to misunderstand. Obviously, this is the way the creator designed the system, right. designed you know, the regeneration of life. And it's a beautiful system. It works perfectly. We just have to understand that in order to get the best response, in, in as, when I say best response, that means the healthiest pregnancy, the child being born healthy, the mother being able to deliver and then feed the baby in a healthy from a healthy perspective and being healthy herself it requires two major ingredients one all the raw products in their pure clean um presentation and the second is the elimination or uh removal of all the substances that are not good that are not conducive to life anything that can be a potential poison notice i said potential poison because some things like selenium and chromium in high levels can actually act as a heavy metal and be a poison. So you have to make sure that the levels are given. You can't just indiscriminately take these things at a high level. Certain things like magnesium and calcium, you can take as much as you want. Vitamin C, the body will eliminate whatever it doesn't need. But certain other ones, such as selenium, such as chromium, such as zinc, uh, such as iron, they they are a double-edged sword. So you may want to make sure that the body has enough, but you don't want to have too much because then they'll act as an oxidative agent and as a heavy metal, just like mercury or cadmium right. or lead or something like that. Well, exactly. And when we talk about toxicity during pregnancy, here's another interesting thing. Um, many times doctors will warn you, don't take herbs during pregnancy. Don't take, you know, be careful of the sub. You know, they're also worried about these so-called natural substances, yet they turn a blind eye when it comes to drugs they'll be they'll put you on antibiotics they'll give you ass i mean they'll give you stuff that's like synthetic and say no problem but we're worried about the herbs and supplements and in this same study dr batar it was amazing that they they listed this percentage but of the so-called 100 percent of those that had these early miscarriages and that's what they were trying to analyze here the nutrient deficiencies relation to miscarriage 81 percent of that 100 percent were on a drug, one or more drugs officially contraindicated during pregnancy. Eight out of ten of them, and yet that were contraindicated. They, yeah, that were con- they were on the drug anyway. Explain that. I mean, where are the doctors saying, "Hey, ma'am, don't take this"? Or I mean, th- it wasn't even the ones that were. We're not sure. <laughs> we know these, and they're wondering. Okay, well, it's a deficiency, but remember also the toxicity depletes the nutrients because the nutrients are used to bind out the toxins. I think a lot of it has to do with, too, that doctors are very conscientious when it comes to potential lawsuits. Litigiancy in our society is very high, as you know. Sure, yeah. And I think a lot of the natural healthcare providers, a lot of the more holistic-oriented physicians and, and healthcare providers would rather tell an individual not to take something natural and go talk to their conventional doctor because there – They've got malpractice. Or they've got the, the pharmaceutical companies, and you know they've got the the standard what is it sta- standard operating procedure or yeah, the standard of care in medicine, how we refer to it as that. Those things, if it's done in the standard of care, it's kind of like the same thing coming back to your last hour when you talked about the uh, sending in the drone mm-hmm. 
attacks against these uh, these guys. If everybody else is doing it, it's okay. Yeah, you know, meaning if all the Democrats and the Republicans are supporting Obama's action, then it's okay. Right. It's the same type of thing. If every if a drug has hurt somebody and everybody's given the drug, it's okay. But if somebody gives an herb and then there's or or some kind of natural substance and there's an adverse reaction. Who do you think the vast majority of the conventional side, the pharmaceutical company, the insurance company, the entire conglomerate mm-hmm. in the modern healthcare system is going to blame that adverse reaction on, on the drug no, or on the natural no. substance? I tell you, and you're telling the truth here, too. I've been involved with the supplement industry for many years. I've seen these investigations. I mean, they look to everything, and you see all the, you know, sometimes dozens of things that these people are on, and they want to pinpoint the supplement. Oh, if we can just find one supplement in that mix, then we're we're home free. We can say it's the supplement because it's not regulated. All of these claims. So the entire uh, legalities, if you will, or the litigiousness of the whatever the regulatory agencies, they turn a blind eye to the toxicity of drugs, even though this study shows my gosh, how toxic they are, and they look to the supplement, there's that built-in bias against nature. Absolutely. And in fact, my standard line regarding this subject, when patients ask me, I just tell them that if you're pregnant, regardless of the fact that our treatment helped them get pregnant, they couldn't get pregnant, they'd gone through years of fertility treatment and hadn't been unsuccessful, and then we clean them up and they get pregnant, I tell them just to stop everything. Do you know why? For that very reason, because I don't want somebody to file a lawsuit. And I tell the person, by the way, I do tell the person, yeah. it's up to you. But my recommendation is just because how everybody's going to blame it on a natural substance, if you're if you're taking some vitamins and minerals, go talk to your uh, OBGYN and see what they say. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of patients understand the hidden message there because – you know, it's not like they've been with me only one or two weeks. If it's one or two week patient, then, you know, I may spend a little bit more time with them. But most patients understand what I'm saying. They go talk to their OBGYN. They'll still continue doing what we've put them on because their reasoning is I couldn't get pregnant. I've now gotten pregnant with what you've done. So I'm going to continue it. The only thing that I will insist that a person not do is to not have intravenous therapies that are um, that that are oriented to detoxification to that mode because the potential sure. of mobilizing toxins while the woman's pregnant could then cause a shifting of those detrimental substances that we're trying to pull out of the system right. to be shunted across the placenta into the baby. So I will not do that. Sure, that's a, you know ag- aggressive therapies that are maybe necessary in certain uh, uh, times of life. Within that framework, you, you, you gather a risk that may not be worth it at that point. Although, I will say that in terms of the liver, the liver is under a, an extraordinary burden outside of the realm of regular life when you are pregnant. There are additional burdens on the liver to detoxify. It's not that the liver stops working. So I personally look toward homeopathic support because we're talking about the energy of a system or an organ. All you're going to do is strengthen it as opposed to what you said intravenously, aggressively pulling things out. Mm-hmm. So when I say, does a woman in pregnancy need a good liver? You're darn straight. needs to be stronger than ever. Absolutely. I agree with that. In fact, I think everybody needs a good liver because the liver is the oil filter but of the body. But the uh, pregnant woman is more like a car that's in a more extreme environment under more load, carrying more sure. weight. Mm-hmm. And so that, that engine needs more support and needs a cleaner oil filter. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the drugs and, and not the nutrient deficiencies like we talk about in this study. What we're talking about is replenishing the organs through nutrition, 
not hyper-stimulating anything, but supporting the function, but supporting it with great uh, uh, diligence in, during pregnancy so that the developing child is protected in that development. And, of course, that child gets all the nutrients it needs. That's why we increase supplementation that is of a nutrient or food state. Listen, we got to take another break here. We'll be back to wrap up the Advanced Medicine Monday, the Medical Rewind with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Again, always a fascinating, enjoyable discussion wherever we go. And we'll see where we go after this break. Coming right back after this. Along the way to raising awareness wherever you are, changing consciousness, many things are likely to happen. One of the things, of course, I've covered for years, and Dr. Bertard knows, physical discomfort, um, mental, emotional stress, all of these things. We call them sometimes ailments or illnesses really tend to shake up our thought forms, or maybe they're designed to. Maybe we take a drug and go back to sleep, but maybe we confront the real cause head on and wake up and change our lives for the better. I think on a planet-wide basis, we're we're all going through that to varying degrees. Some of us have gone through a lot of the suffering early on to wake us up so that we can help others in the throes of difficulty right now, Dr. Batar. We're seeing this in the economic realm as well as the biological, physiological realm, whether it be the protests against GMOs, genetic modified organisms, or the occupation of Wall Street, marches in Washington, D.C. that are happening, and marches right in Wall Street in New York City that are happening. There's a lot of unrest and on that's boiling up from underneath the surface, and it's not to be unexpected. But are we prepared to really understand the cause of it, or are we just going to, you know, rage against the machine? You know, it's a, that's an interesting question too, Robert. Because if you just rage against the machine, uh, th- there's nothing that's productive that comes out of it. It's uh, an exercise in futility. It increases the the systems on the individuals that are going through this and their surrounding families and such their oxidative stress, worry, the cortisol levels spike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just not good for, for the health or uh, overall health. But the counterpoint is that how, as you said, how deep does the rabbit hole go? Is it going to be even more stressful for them to actually become aware of how mm-hmm. deep this goes? My personal opinion is that it's better to know the truth and be aware of it. And then something truly substantial can be done, meaning that as that universal consciousness increases that we've talked about so many times, then there is also that relief in knowing that something is going to be changing. And although the change may be difficult and in some circumstances may even be devastating, what we refer to in the healing crisis of the body as the Herxheimer's response, it's not a pleasant thing to go through. However, it is worth it in the long run because then new comes in, that the new change that allows for the new growth to take effect is, is allowed to happen. We see this in the human body, for instance, with the skin sloughing off. It's new skin that's coming in. Well, when you lose that outer layer of skin, it may not be always pleasant. If you look at the gastrointestinal lining, when you have that sloughing off of the skin or in the menstrual cycle of a woman, the sloughing off, a period isn't necessarily pleasant, but it is something that is essential for life. Same thing with the gastrointestinal lining. When you lose that external layer of the uh, of the uh, the epithelial lining, lining the gastrointestinal system yeah. the difficulty that the person experiences with the diarrhea or whatever the case may be it's not pleasant but it's important because after that the new lining of the gastrointestinal tract comes out in other words there's always a sloughing of the old and the reproduction and the regeneration of the new layer and so this can be applied to our society also as you talked about 
the awareness is increasing and maybe that awareness, maybe that rabbit hole, mm. it's important for people to be aware of it, although it may be difficult for them to become aware of it in the beginning. Yeah, well said. I mean, we talk about life's uh, journey. You know, a lot of it is about getting scuffed up and getting a little bruised and battered along the way so we can learn the things necessary to be able to walk through life differently and hopefully help or mentor others. We talked about mentors. Your Dr. Hit that we talked about, my mentor in homeopathic medicine, they had gone through some brutal things in their life to gain that knowledge. Now, we have the freedom to reject their knowledge or wisdom at any point and just say, nope, I want to learn the hard way myself. Or we can apply their information and make the path easier for the next. But we cannot also at the same time prevent others from going down that rough path if they insist that's the way they need to learn it. And that's a very difficult lesson. One of the most profound lessons I've learned in my short lifetime thus far is that it is not my role to remove suffering from those who want or claim to need the suffering, even if they're unaware of that need, because they reject the natural methods, the simplicity with which we can, let's say, undo cancer, for instance. I agree with you, Robert. However, I also then choose to not be around those type of people because I have a very low tolerance for ignorance. And to <laughs> me, um, you're obviously a more generous person and more open. But to me, I have to in, – in my short life, I've kind of had the same realization as you have. Mm-hmm. However, I can't be around those people. I, I have a physical – uncomfortableness that overcomes me when I'm around those people that have chosen to let's do it the hard way. And it's not, it's not the fact that they want to do it the hard way. The problem is that they are people in the health profession I'm talking about now in doctor's case. Yes. Those people that have chosen to do it the hard way and keep on doing it and reject the, the innate intelligence that's been presented to them are actually causing suffering of those who they have been appointed to take care of. Yes. And that, that is something that I, have a very difficult time mm. tolerating. Now, you know, if you're talking about the construction of a new building or, you know, a legal system or a tax loophole and you choose to do it the conventional way, you know, at least you're not hurting somebody. But in the for, uh, profession of medicine, in the healthcare sciences, our mistakes, I've said this over and over again, everybody else can make a mistake. It's not that big of a deal. Our mistakes are counted in body bags. You're right. You're right. And if and if I have any more tolerance than you, Dr. Batar, it's probably only because I get to vent six days a week on the radio, which gives me some level of, okay, I can handle it. But if you hear my, my first hour today, you'll understand my tolerance only runs so far when I got outraged by the whole uh, OS. Yes, the American government can now assassinate people it doesn't like. I don't like some people. I'm not going to assassinate them. Come on. And if the government can do it, now we no longer have a government of laws. We have a government of men or, in fact, a government of kings. And, of course, this is the antithesis of why the American experiment was started to begin with so long ago. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely correct. That was very well said. So, you know, what do we do? We, we want to provide healing. I think ultimately we have to be living examples. And you, you, we've talked also about this. You don't go to a doctor that's smoking and drinking and eating junk food, uh, you know, you, and expect to be well. They're not taking care of themselves. But still, there are a lot of people within the natural product industry and even a lot of so-called natural doctors that do not take care of themselves in ways that you go, I don't know if I'd want to take the advice of a person that doesn't live the way they tell me I should be living. You know, I've gotten into one of the biggest heated discussions with a number of doctors, one of them who was one of my is actually one of my relatives, but it's that very same argument that you just said. And I have been told that you cannot say that it is not right because a doctor can be doing all the right things and they have some some issues themselves. Well, if the doctor is supposed to be from 
ancient times, the teacher, right. then you would expect the teacher to be able to do these things and to be able to live the life the right way in order to be able to teach his students. I mean, Buddha said this, either Confucius or Buddha, and I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. The we'll other one that didn't we'll, say it. We'll uh, call him uh, uh, Akuda or Bafucius. We'll just combine yeah, them. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we should take every opportunity to preach that we are given mm-hmm. and never open our mouths. Mm. And for a doctor to be able to give advice and not live it himself is the greatest hypocrisy. So to me, it is very important for us to lead by example. In fact, I believe it is the most essential thing for us to lead by example because, one, it allows our patient, the person that we have taken responsibility of taking care of, it gives them the understanding and, and, and yes. the realization that this individual who's guiding me, who's helping me, actually does have empathy because they do know what I'm experiencing because they do it themselves exactly. on a daily basis. As this- opposed to somebody who's got cigarette ashes on their coat, who has a problem wheezing when he's talking and is telling his patient that you need to lose weight and stop smoking. Right. Well, this is the perfect place to wrap it here. Advanced Medicine Monday with Rock Dr. Rasha Bittar, living example here. And I appreciate him very much, as you know. Also, muchas gratitude to Jeffrey Smith as we covered the non-GMO growth and the uh, important movement that's happening around this country. We'll keep it up and keep you informed. But bottom line, we're out of time. So all I can do to wrap up today, Dr. Batar, is say this. Thank you and the power to heal is yours. <laughs>